Hej, mitt namn är Edith Sabo och detta är min podcast. En podcast som handlar om hopp, inspiration och olika sätt och vägar för att leva ett bättre liv. Jag är så glad att du har kommit hit. Du är varmt, varmt välkommen. Hej och välkomna alla som lyssnar. Den här gången bjöd jag in en kär vän till mig. Och det underbara med det hela är att jag känner honom inte så väl ändå. Det är han som har gjort eh, framsidan på min bok. Och han har aldrig riktigt tvekat när jag frågade honom om han ska göra det. Utan bara, det är klart att jag gör det. Och jag har följt honom och hans konst nu, ja, 20 år. Och han är en riktig inspiration för mig. Vi pratade i tre timmar och här är ju en timme av vad vi har pratat om. Och det är en underbar, underbar resa. Resa som att vara med i en bok. Så... Här kommer Sebastian. I think I think I'm going to start with this. I'm just I'm just going to start with this happy moment and even if it's recording right now I don't even care because it's who are you Sebastian? Um <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm um actually I I feel that I am somebody in this body that is you know, name Sebastian. And uh, I feel like being um, uh, myself inside that, like a, a little entity that is inside this body that is uh, doing many, many things on earth. And especially I'm creating, I'm doing a lot of things that are actually in between worlds. I will call it myself like that. I'm like, I always been between worlds, which is, for instance, design and art or uh, science and art, you see what I mean? And a lot of things like that, I've always been in between. I'm like a fox, you know? I appear when I want to be appeared, you know? And um, I'm, I disappear when I want to be disappeared. And uh, I, I like to be with people, I'm very social, but I'm not, I'm not that sociable as well. And these are all the things, you know, I like, I love to be alone and I need to be alone. To, to connect since I'm a, I'm a child, you know? And as well, I like to be with other people, to connect with other people. So it's all the things that I feel being in between. I think I can call myself, who are you? I am a liminal male. <laughs> That's so we We just talked before we come on and I started to record our conversation. It was so many things that I just want you to tell me again. And we sometimes we start we we stopped somewhere uh, about your like who you are, what kind of work you did, which kind of school you have been, and why you were in Gothenburg, why you was in Gothenburg, like for mm-hmm. the first place. And I know you because we met two thousand one, I think. Absolutely. And since that, we never even talked with each other. But one day. 
I actually, fo- I always followed your Instagram and I always love your pictures. And one day I ask you, Sebastian, please, can you make my cover to my book? And you're yeah. just like, of course I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot pay you. That's okay. <laughs> and that picture steal my heart and everything. And you just made that for me. And yeah. I'm just loving what you are doing. So just please tell me, like, how this begin you talked about a little bit your childhood before we started like you always felt something you always uh, seen things uh, just yes the word is yours <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's quite wild um yeah so you asked me how i came to Gothenburg. so i will make uh, an answer and i like you know, an elliptic answer in that matter because you you started the question with Gothenburg mm-hmm. when we met, and then uh, the end of the question is about my childhood. So you know, <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's a lot of questions in one. Like that, uh, yeah, that's it's, it. <laughs> well, it's, a of, it's a lot of thing in time, in time, in space, time. You know, uh, and what I can tell you is that I arrived in Gothenburg because when I was a child, I was very, very connected to. Um, my environment you know as a human being um i grew up in many different places but i was born in geneva in switzerland from parents that comes from the jura mountains of switzerland the jura mountains are um, not the alps it's a range of mountains right before the alps you know you have the alps and then you have a plateau and then you have the jura mountains and those mountains actually uh, were during the ice age, it's where actually the glaciers stopped, you know. So you have some highlands there. Mm-hmm. On those highlands, there are um, highlands at 1000 high meters above sea level. And you have a special um, climate there that is quite um, dry. In winter, it's a lot of snow. And it's actually the same sort of climate that you can find in Scandinavia oh yeah you have a lot of uh, pin trees you know uh, pin trees forests um, so you have this thing that is really feeling like being in Scandinavia and since I'm a kid I've always been very attracted to north in general so I had this sort of like um, uh, very um uh, we can we can call that energetic feelings, you know, or polarized feelings about um, Canada, the northern part of Canada, Vancouver, of course, West Coast, but as well, you know, all the northern part of Canada, and then the east part of Canada, and then Europe, Scandinavia, you know, Ireland, um, Scotland, Scandinavia, and then um, all the northern part of Eurasia, which is you know, Mongolia, Tibet, and then up to to Japan. And I had this huge thing with Japan when I was a kid. Like feelings, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Things that you feel inside your body, but actually you feel it inside yourself, inside yourself, which is not your body, right? Which is you as a real entity for me, which is vibrating. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt that and since I'm like eight years old, I knew I'm going to go to all those places. I needed to reconnect to all those places. And where I grew up there, you know, I was born in Geneva, but then my parents went back to Jura 
and I was four years old. And I really grew up into this. Um, it's a special place. It's a small village, with, which is called Les Chandevières <laughs> in French. And um, it's where my father was born. It's a, it's a place in the middle of a forest, which has six farms. And uh, my dad's family were farmers. And um, so when I was four years old, we went back there. And I really got connected to that place. I don't know how to explain, but the forest all around, you know, it was the 70s, um, 80s. And our parents at that time, you remember it, you know, there, there wasn't all those... communism, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, but you know, there wasn't all those secure things, you know, you could like bike without a helmet and all that, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as you were out, actually, they were like, yeah, sure, fine, you know, come back when we call you back, you know, and yeah. just... Well, the food is ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is not like that anymore. But, you know, that thing, right? So for me, it was just like real freedom. And um, um, so I didn't do the, the preschool thing. You know, here in Switzerland, we have this preschool. You can start school at four years old. But at that time there, it wasn't any preschool at all. So I was free until six years old. I haven't gone to school at all. My school was like my grandparents. Um, the farm, uh, the forest all around, you know, all the animals around the forest. I loved animals. I really wanted that. And the TV. And, you know, TV at that time, my parents in my family, nobody has done high studies at all, you know. So it's very, uh, what do you call that? Proletarian, proletarian family, you know, like watchmakers and farmers, right? So watchmakers and farmers, but nobody has done high studies at all. So it was no book at home, but the TV was on because there was, the 80s 70s you know until you like, yeah sure they, they trusted it you know it's like we had those, whatever and you had you know those in we had Cousteau I don't know if you know Cousteau but um those um tv shows about Cousteau I loved them you know I was really wait, waiting every Sunday to watch Cousteau and all that made so, sort of like something for me that was like sure I'm gonna explore those uh, area of the world that I needed to explore because I loved the animal world. I loved the forest world. I loved the oceans and the water, even though there it wasn't so much water, but I need, it was like exploring that. And there was then all the tales, all the, um, the thing I heard about uh, Norway and the Sami. Uh, I remember, you know, I did, there's a special memory inside myself, which is Lillehammer. And it was the Olympic Games, uh, Winter Olympic Games. And all my family was always watching the opening of the Olympic Games. So it was like a big thing on TV, whatever. You know, you have your grandparents and your parents and your brother and sister and stuff. And then you watch that all by. And I remember it was a scene. It was like an old woman, Sami, talking uh, whatever this language, which was certainly Norwegian. But for me, it sounded like right to my ear. And they had those Sami outfits. And I was like feeling like crying. And I felt so connected to that. And that was the first call. But I had another one um, through different TV shows with the IDAS in West Coast, uh, British Columbia and Vancouver, and which is the natives there. And the killer whales. Well, they call that killer whales. I hate this name. But for me, it's orca, you know, orcas. And I got connected to those whales since I'm like six years old. I was dreaming about them all the time. And I knew I had to go there in Scandinavia and in West Coast Canada to meet the orcas 
and to meet the orcas in Norway as well, but to meet as well the cultural beings there, which is the Sami for me, and the 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 Aidas. In some ways, you know, of course, the culture around that. What is it? It's Anglo-Saxon culture, which is mainly influenced by the Vikings, right? So, you know, if you look at the Vikings, there are Nordic Germanic um, tribes, you know, um, from yeah northern Germany went up to Scandinavia and then explored, you know, Iceland, then Greenland, and then Nova Scotia, um, you know, in Canada. And we all know that, right? In 1,000 years ago, the Vikings actually were the first Europeans getting there in uh, in uh, in North America, as history tells through archaeology anyway. But then I felt really connected to that as well, because this language, when I went to Vancouver, then to study film, you know, I um, I really get connected to English and English sound like right to me, into my my heart. But there was something that I could somehow express better myself in English than in French. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> People don't see you, but you are like, well, <laughs> yes. you're just like, yeah. Yeah, that was strange because, you know, at school, I had all those difficulties with French, as I told you before, just before we we, we started the podcast. But um, um, yeah, so at school, it was quite actually difficult for me to connect to. It was really hard. When I started school at six years old, uh, we moved to another place, which is Lausanne. Um, it's in between. Uh, it's close to Geneva, but it's right in the middle of the lake, the Lemon Lake. And um, um you know, we, we went to a suburb. There was no forest, well, some forest, but, you know, like one of those suburbs where you have a lot of kids and or a lot of different cultures or whatever. And, you know, don't forget that I was just there before in that little forest with those little farms and all that, you know, and then you get to that city where you have all those people. And it was quite tough, actually. I had this um, difficulty to adapt. I needed to be by myself. That's when I started to always draw, you know, and French was very difficult because I couldn't read well, um, you know, so I was always into more into visual things like I told you the TV or the comics books, you know, everything that had images that tell stories, but not the words that tell stories. I couldn't read well because dyslexia. Yeah. And um, but I didn't know. Nobody knew I had dyslexia. And my family didn't know at that time. You know, it wasn't known, actually, I think. Uh, no. People just said like, oh, he can or she cannot read. You yeah. have to you have to exercise more. You have to read more. Yeah. That was the yeah. thing. And then it was like, I, I, every time I read, I space out. I mean, for me, then, you know, I was like, my imagination was going wild. And then I was reading, but I couldn't remember what I was reading. So, so anyway, you know, um, then I always been drawing, drawing my imagination, drawing my dreams. Um, I had all those times since I'm a child, this capacity to sort of dream when I'm awake, you know. So <laughs> those weird thing at school where you, you're not that excited. And I was always asking questions that the teachers didn't like. And then they told me, uh, yeah, but that's going to be after whatever, you know, and I had to sort of, oh, okay, so for me, that's the end. You know, the connection is lost. Then I, if you can't answer my questions, then who are you? <laughs> and um, 
And then, um, and then it was funny because I was always sort of like connecting to a tree in the forest or whatever. It could be a clouds or it could be a bird, you know, crows, a lot of crows. And, um, and then I was just like getting into another world, another thing. And I remember the things when, the, you know, I hear a voice, which is like, Sebastian, Sebastian, Sebastian. And then it's the teacher, right? It's like, yeah. And then I look at my, around me, and I have all the class looking at me, you know? <laughs> and actually, I was there, but I wasn't there anymore. So those things happen a lot when I was eight years old, 10, 12, yeah, all that. So so that's it. And, you know, then in Switzerland, you have, um, at that time, especially a system that was not that open. So if you weren't, um, with your grades in a higher level, you couldn't get to high studies, which is uh, we call here gymnasium or high school, right? Mm -hmm. So you cannot you cannot get to high school. You have to go to an apprenticeship or a professional school, as they call. And for me, what I knew is that I wanted to draw a story. That was so sure for me. I wanted to draw a story, and I wanted to travel, to meet animals and forest. You know, that was the thing. So when I had to go to the professional orientation. That woman said, so what do you want to do? And I say, I was so sure she, she would find me a place, right? I was like, that's it. Uh, the only thing I mean, I have best grade is drawing. And I love that, you know, my, the art class. And I want to be, uh, I want to draw stories uh, about uh, animals and, and forest. And she said, yeah, but that's not a job. <laughs> I always remember that day. Yeah. It was just like, uh-huh. It was like something was falling. Like I thought I had a door, I could open it, and then when you open it, you know, you have a, you have like a fall. You know, it's just like it is nothing. And um, I was like, okay. And she said, yeah, well, you know, there are other jobs that you can do, which is maybe you can be um, a drawer, you know, um, designer, or maybe you can be uh, a cabinet maker, or maybe you can be. Um, uh, an architect, um, draw, um, draftman, you know, and I was just like, all the things was like, yeah, uh, but that's not what I want to do, right? But I had to choose something because I was 16 years old and that was the end of school and I had to to study something or to to be, you know, uh, apprenticed of, of something. So I choose that architecture and uh, I had a big chance actually to get to that master which mm -hmm. is um, Ticino's guy. It's a Ticino's architect. Ticino, it's the Italian part of uh, Switzerland. So he was a, a Swiss-Italian architect, mm -hmm. which his name was Fonzo Boschetti. And he was, I would say, my first master. Yeah. He taught me a lot of things about life, philosophy, and art. He was an uh, art collector and um architecture as something that will actually uh, change the world because architecture is something that is um, responding to a function, the human function, you know, whatever for school or whatever, you know, whatever humanity needs to be protected and to live in. And as well, you have the form of it, which is, you know, functions and forms. Yeah, the design, the art part of the architecture. What is the spirit of architecture? When you are inside a building that are uh, that is connected to something bigger than than life, bigger than humanity, because it calls in something that you feel inside that building. 
for him, it was very important. You know, he loved the cathedrals, you know, so. Oh, yes. He's part of that, you know, so. In, and he was very um, bond with Le Corbusier and Tatao Ando, which is a Japanese architect, self-made, both. And um, uh, he taught me a lot of both those guys. And he had this huge um, library, you know, mm-hmm. and every month I had to clean up the library and I could take the time I wanted. So that was his trick to always, you know, get me into philosophical thinking then because he was asking me questions. So that happened from 16 years old to 20 years old. Right. So when do you went to, to, to the Wales? When, when do you? Yeah. After that, I, um, I finished my architecture um, training and then uh, in Switzerland, you have to go to the army <laughs> because we have a mandatory army. So I went there. And then after that, uh, I went to Vancouver directly after that. Yeah. So did I was 21. Your aims? Did you find what you searched for? Yeah, absolutely. That was my call, right? So uh, I was waiting for that since I'm like 10 years old, right? To go to, yes. to Vancouver. So I, I, um, yeah, my family doesn't have a lot of money or anything like that. So I, I, I worked in architecture for one year. I was in the army. I saved all this mo- this money for for going to Vancouver to learn English because I didn't learn English at school. I, at my level, it was no English, and um, I I I went there to actually do two things: to learn English at Pacific Language Institute in Vancouver, and to uh, fly because that was one of my thing I needed to do. <laughs> And it was so expensive in Switzerland and in Canada. It was very cheap compared to Switzerland. Uh, you could actually get your fly license for five thousand Canadian dollars. So I started to fly when I could barely speak English. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was funny. And um, and actually, the first whales I saw it was when I was up in the air. Yeah, that was that was fun because you have a lot of um, you know, gray whales and. Um, and um, what do you call those whales the, in English? The, oh, I can't remember in English. Anyway, the ones that have the the long, you know, um, tails. Well, anyway, but I saw them. The killer whales, uh, the orcas, I saw them uh, by foot when I was uh, in Vancouver Island. And uh, suddenly you can see them because you you have a lot of orcas pods, you know, that are sort of like swimming around the coast. And uh, they are different families. They have their own language, you know, and um, then you can see them from shore, actually. So that's the first time I saw that. And um, and when I arrived at Vancouver Airport, actually, I saw a huge sculpture. And um, this sculpture um, really, like, you know, went to my heart. And it was um, a, a sculpture from Bill Rate, which is um, an Ida. Uh, member his mom was Ida his dad was Irish so he's he's mixed but um, he started to really make the sculptures that got recognized all around the world in the 70s and this is this huge sculpture in Vancouver airport and I was like wow I know this this story I know this you know I need to get connected to that and yeah it was so I don't know it was the first time in my life when I felt that 
I was belonging to somewhere I've been before. I don't know how. <laughs> it was strange, you know. I couldn't leave Vancouver. Um, I felt like I the the land, the earth of this place, the the Pacific Ocean, everything, the forest, um, the trees there. You know, you have those huge trees. Um, the what do you call them? The, um, forget now. Um, um, Say in French. It's okay. Yeah, I forgot in French too. <laughs> uh, the it's cedar, uh, you know, the huge trees, cedars, you know, they're they they're very wild, you know, they can go up to one hundred meters. In Vancouver Island, you have those huge, very old forests there, and I really get connected. It's rainforest, you know, and the Pacific Ocean's Long Beach. It's just like so strong. I I don't know what to tell you. You have to experiment that, and. Um, I felt connected to this land and I felt connected to the Aida's uh, spirits in some ways. I don't know how. And then in Vancouver, um, you have 50% of the population, which is uh, Asian, Chinese, Japanese, a lot of Chinese there. And I was so connected, I told you when I was a kid, to the Asian part of the world as well. And, um, and that was like, yeah. Uh, the best place on earth for me. <laughs> uh, I got so many Japanese friends and Chinese, and I got connected to that. I had a girlfriend then; she was Chinese Canadian, and I got directly connected to the Canadian culture through her. Um, but she was part of the Chinese community, and and uh, all that you know, you discover all that when I twenty one, twenty two, up uh, until nineteen ninety nine, where I. I finished Vancouver Film School at that time. So that's when in Vancouver Film School, I uh, met um, a Swedish um, guide. And he told me that he wanted me to come to uh, to Gothenburg, where he was living, to create a studio there. And that was in 2000. And uh, he wanted to create um, a 3D animation studio. And he was at Vancouver Film School as well. And he saw what I was doing there. And um, he wanted me to be the artistic director of that studio. And I said, yeah, okay. Yeah, that talks to me because... <laughs> wanted to I go need... there, by the way. Yeah, I need to go to Scandinavia, you know, since I'm like eight years old, right? I... It's not Norway, but fine, you know, it's not far. So, um, so, um, so yeah, I said, yes. You know, I, I, every time I have an intuition, it it calls in me. It's like a vibration. When it's yes, it's yes. When it's no, it's no. That's all. Uh, there's no mental thing. So that's how I arrived in Gothenburg. How many years did you like lived here in Gothenburg? Um, two and a half years. Oh, and did you actually could like meet uh, people from the north? Could you really just? like reconnect the earth and the forest here as well? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I um, Well, in Gothenburg, I met different people. Actually, it was a little bit difficult to socialize in Gothenburg for myself. I don't know how, but um, it wasn't... Um, how, did, how to put that right? Um, I have to choose the right words, but um, it was a bit tough. Uh, my first uh, feelings uh, with Gothenburg. I arrived in January, and my first first time in my life, I'm experimenting a winter 
where you have no sun, <laughs> but you have clouds for about two months. And uh, this, this, yeah, this ceiling of clouds right there, you know. I mean, in Switzerland, where I'm, I'm living, where you live in a place where you have, I don't know if you've been here where I live, but we have a huge lake. It's the one of the biggest lake in Europe, which is called... Uh, I heard about it. I've never been there, but yeah. someday I'm, I'm going to visit you. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's called the Lemon Lake. Uh, and not the Geneva Lake, <laughs> it's <laughs> Lehman Lake. And you have the Alps, you know, all around, right? But then you, ha- you also have the plateau and the Jura Mountains. So it's it's a very interesting lake because it looks like a fjord, really. And, you know, you have the thing, when you have water and you have mountains, you have um, climate that is always changing, right? You have winds and you have actually as well um, not only an horizontal uh, life but you have a vertical life right because you you're going up to the mountains like here in switzerland we have different um climates you know we say um i don't know at 1000 high meter you know it's that uh, temperature and then in um in lausanne or geneva it's like three uh, 350 above sea level so it's that degrees or whatever you know it snows at uh that and blah 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 you know because we have villages up to 2500 meters you know so there are things like that in switzerland that when you have a winter which is a bit cloudy or whatever for over a week if that happens uh you just get up the mountain and then it's sunny right and in vancouver it's just the same uh, I can tell you in Vancouver, in one day, you can have four seasons suddenly like that because you have the Pacific Ocean stretches like, and then you have the Rockies, you know, um, uh, right right there, right? It's, um, it's a coastal mountain range thing in the Pacific, right? So the Rockies and the Pacific Ocean and the microclimate you have there, it's like the sky is ever changing all the time. Like, you know? And then Gothenburg, it's not changing. Nothing. <laughs> darkness yeah it was weird for me really like i had a hard time the first winter there you know i arrived in winter i was just like wow i wanted to get to some mountains but then i had to go to norway and it took me like five hours six hours and um yeah so it was and then socially i couldn't it was weird because yeah i didn't speak swedish so everybody talked to me in english because everybody speaks english and uh, even though you try to speak Swedish, they talk to you in English. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it was hard, actually. It was really hard to get to that Swedish thing. And and I, I I remember as well with professional meetings or things like that, everybody speaks English. And then you feel uncomfortable when you are ultra sensitive like I am. And I don't want to disturb. Or whenever, or I want to just listen to get in. And, you know, like if you speak in English or whatever, then you can sort of like be at the table and listen to people there, not there, whatever. But there, everybody speaks English. And and then for you, because I'm the only one that doesn't speak Swedish. So there was those things that I got, uh, it was hard at the beginning to get used to. Yeah. And, um, but I like the, the city vibration into the thing that the forest I had there. So I was a lot of time escaping into the forest and getting um, this vibration I really felt in the west coast of uh, Sweden, you know, where you have the northern sea and then the forest. And then when I met uh, my no wife, uh, Spuz Evalot, uh, she's coming from uh, Jönköping, the, the well, yeah. Mürche, but it's part of the middle of Sweden. 
And then she introduced me to those forests there. And I really get connected to that and and to all the the thing again, the folk thing, you know, with John Bauer, because John Bauer, uh, it's an illustrator uh, from um, the 1900s. Um, it's from, a, I think, a German family at the beginning, but, you know, they moved to Sweden. And he had made those fairy tales illustrations about the trolls and the fairies or whatever that are very well known in in, uh, in Sweden. And also to Carl Larsen. And it's Evalot that had, you know, introduced me to Carl Larsen because she had one of the posters in her apartment and John Bauer. And there was this time as well where uh, we had our studio in Gothenburg uh, close to Domschirken. And um, it was the beginning of 3D animation, you know, like it was um, Star Wars and and um, it was also um, uh, The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, all those things during the beginning of 2000 that were about uh, special effects and 3D animation. So we were right in at the right time. Mm. And the film I made in Vancouver Film School got awarded in the Copenhagen International Film Festival, and I got a nomination for my film student in 2000. So it was like a big hit for me because then in Scandinavia, I was, um, yeah, linked to that three animation there. So I met a lot of connections there, you know. So that's how, you know, I sort of met different people. Mm. Yeah. But you went back. You you just circled back, and now you are living. Well, the thing is, I was living there, and then um, I had my time there. Uh, things at one point uh, in two thousand two, um, I got fed up with computers. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. Uh, you know, when you have your own studio, I mean, like I was creative director, but we were doing everything with. Uh, with my colleague, right? So we were doing, you know, design, animation, texturing, all those things. Anyway, it's the beginning of of the computer thing as well, you know. But um, um, I needed to get back to a feeling that was like more my drawings and not really animation. I needed to to get back to drawing intuitively and to make books or something like that. I felt like I had to to draw my imagination and. Since I'm, I'm, I told you, um, yeah, since I'm four years old, I have those books from my mom. They were Petzi and Tintin <laughs> and all those comic books that then I, I, I bought all the time, you know. And um, um, I needed to, I always had this special bond with books since I'm a kid. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain. I, I buy books and I don't read them, but I, I, I get connected to them. <laughs> This, I love the design, the smell of the page, something. And then sometimes I buy books. I have, you know, thousands of books and I read them. I like to get into them by intuition, read some words, then go there. I have a feeling it's an object that is very important for me. And I had this feeling I had to make a book. So I came back to Switzerland for that <laughs> because I escaped Switzerland. Really, when I was 21, I couldn't live here anymore with the Swiss culture at that time. I felt trapped, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because here, um, at that time, Switzerland is a safe country. Everything is planned here. You know, you cannot really go intuitive. It's the country of banks, of insurance, <laughs> of, of chemical um, medicines, 
and a lot of things as well, you know, um, beautiful things, artists, designers, of course, all that. But um, but it's a small country anyway. And if you speak French, it's even smaller because Switzerland has four languages. German, which is the 70% 70 of the population speaks German, right? Um, and French, it's only 20%. Then you have Italian and Romanche. And... Uh, so we we are very small community in Switzerland, the French speaking culture. So it's very small. It's like I don't know, you know, uh, two three million people, right? Not even, yeah, something like that. So there's something that actually part of that I felt I need to to escape. So that's why I went to Canada. That's why I went to Scandinavia. And then I felt at that time that if I wasn't going back to Switzerland to mm -hmm. To feel connected with the the earth, I told you when I was a kid, this forest, all that, I was always connected to that. I needed to go back, so that's why suddenly I said, "No, I'm going back. I need to get back to see if I if I can live there again. Otherwise, I I go somewhere else." The plan was New Zealand. <laughs> I had friends, you know, that were working at Veta because there was the Lord of the Rings and. Um, uh, some friends were going there and they were hired at VETA. It's the company that made the special effects for the Lord of the Rings. And uh, I've always been attracted to New Zealand when I was a kid as well, you know. So I was like, if it doesn't work in in Switzerland, I go to New Zealand. And then Evalot, that I met my wife now, but uh, that I met in 2001 in Gothenburg, well, she followed me, right? And she's a French uh, teacher. Uh, she studied French at school in, in Gothenburg in Stockholm and uh, so for her it was quite like easy to get here because she was speaking French and and that's it and she she said ah, I'm coming with you and okay I said <laughs> and then we left Sweden that's all and you and you both landed and now you are living in the house that you you made I designed this house designed. Well. and mm -hmm. and you reconnected to the earth pretty deeply what i see on your pictures and everything that you do it's just like going out to the forest and see these creatures on on trees and you made them and you and you are there and you're just walking around and i so tell me about that, please. So when you connected back, what happened there in the connection? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I got connected to the Alps. I needed to go back to the Alps. So there was a strong uh, vibration there that I needed to, to get back to. And actually, this is where we lived first, um, in um, close to Montreux, you know, like uh, it's very well known internationally Montreux because you have the Montreux Jazz Festival, which is well known all, all over the world. But it's at the beginning of the lake, the Lemon Lake, and it's right at the beginning of the Alps as well. So you, I was living there and I was right in the Alps. So I needed that. And I got that vibration that I knew from so long, you know. So these are special feelings in the Alps because you have you have this urban 
life in Switzerland, Montreux, Vevey, Lausanne, Geneva, Bern, whatever. A lot of mini cities, you know, are really sm- closely connected. It it takes you an hour to get from one city to another, you know. And then suddenly you take a road and you go up to 2,500 meters and then you hike and you get up to 3,000 meters and then you feel like being on the moon, right? And then you have the rocks there. They have a special vibration. They're very, um, they have, um, for me, this part of the Alps, they have a very masculine uh, energy, which in the um, east part of Switzerland, where I love going to, it's very feminine energy. You know, I feel those, when I say feminine and masculine, it's this language, but it's very poor. Human language is very poor for me. I try to use words, but it's poor because images are way stronger. So when I say masculine and feminine, it's like, you know, with this dyslexia, I know I can tell, but when I was a kid, I could sense things like the sounds. So colors, they had sounds like low vibration, like, and then high vibration, like exactly the same as numbers. You have numbers like one, three, all those numbers, you know, they are like picky numbers. And then you have wrong numbers like two, eight. They're like feminine, maternal, whatever you call it, but they they receive you. And then you have other numbers that they sort of like push you, you know, same as with the spelling or the words or whatever. You have some letters that are taking you in and you have some letters that are pushing you out. And for me, that's how I felt. And that's how I tried to explain things. So ground and earth is the same. Some mountains, they get me to be active. Some mountains, they get me to stand and be still. Some forest, they get me to to walk around. Some forest, they get me to be still and absorb. And whatever, call it feminine and masculine, it yeah. doesn't matter for me, but this is who I can best explain what I felt when I came back to Switzerland. I felt a um, connection of vibration that I needed to get back to and um, because it was higher um, visualization. Mm. Because I feel when you are talking that you are not only went back to your earth, but it, to the minerals. It's not even, not just the earth, but deep down in the earth. And that's for me, like going back to your bones, (laughs) not not standing on the muscles. You are going into the bones deep down. Yeah. Yeah. That talks to me. Yeah. You're right. Actually, it's funny because when we arrived here, I, I wanted to show Evalot for for Evalot, my wife, you know, living there. Remember every morning, we were waking up because we were really living. I found an apartment like, you know, 100 meters from the shore of the lake, right? And right in the middle of the mountains, the Alps. So she was like, I can't believe it. It's like a painting. <laughs> Somebody has painted that during the night she was seeing at the time. And so, of course, I I took her in many, many places, you know, I felt bond to and uh, to show her all those different places in Switzerland because Switzerland is an amazing country for that because the diversity you can get of vibration but as well as culturing uh culture in 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 human human cultures or whatever you know from Gothenburg to go to Stockholm you need five hours 
And then to go to Oslo, you need five hours. And then maybe you go to Copenhagen, it takes like three hours, whatever. But it's just the same, right? It doesn't, the vibration is just the same. Yes. In Switzerland, if I want to go to Italy in the Mediterranean Sea, either French or Italian, Marseille, it takes five hours to go from here. And um, um, Savona in Italy, you know, where you have Finaligure, it takes four and a half hours, you know, so by car. So you have all those different cultures and cities. Uh, if I want to go to Paris, uh, the train, it takes two and a half hours with the high speed train or whatever the plane. So yeah. you're right in the middle of Europe in, in Switzerland but as well, because you have the Alps and you have all those mountains, you know, it's very wild in some ways. You see, I mean, like yes. uh, I needed to get back to that, to have a place where I know if I feel bored or I want to change energy, I can just take my car or whatever, you know, take the train or the, in, in a few hours, you're just somewhere else, you know, and this is like very important for me. So I think it is part of the reason why I came back to Switzerland as well. I needed that. You see, what I mean, I needed to be able to, get lost and be by myself like the Jura forest we have here um you can if you get inside you can really get lost fast but then you know it's just an hour or 30 minutes from Geneva <laughs> so it's really like strange because in other part of the world you need to travel by car or whatever for a long time to get to that sort of like you know um feel alone place or it takes many, many hours to get from one city to another. But here you have this sort of 50-50 thing. I mean, like, if you want to have the urban experience, you have it. But then if you want to be alone, you have it. I'll tell you a story. You know, it was like five years ago. I remember I had this thing about that because I had lived in Canada and in Sweden. And it took me so many times to do that. But I was, like, alone by myself. You know, I need those time alone. I take my backpack. I take the car. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just driving. I stop. I I walk. I hike, and then I sit, and then I get to myself, and I'm just by myself. And then um, after that, I wanted to see a movie, a special movie. I wanted to see in the the, the town where uh, we live close by in Lausanne. And then I, I took the car and I went there <laughs> with my snow boots and everything. And I was right in the middle of downtown Lausanne, right? And this is like wild for me because you are, you are uh, able to have the things that get really fastly connected in this human space um, traveling. Uh, you know, inside, inside Earth, you have a space that you can travel into your body, but you have also this space that you can travel with your imagination or oh. your... Mm. your soul whatever you call it you know but you can for me here everything gets connected into a central part in uh i can i can be in many places or into one place at the same time and i love that here in switzerland for that so you moved from something when you were a child and you felt oh it's just too small for me to yeah. go around the world and coming back and see oh it's like big i'm in the center of everything mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's weird, huh? Um I guess, you know, um, small is everything because when you have um when you have a small space, actually it 
makes you feel being able to travel faster everywhere. When you have a big space, it takes a longer time. It's like, you know, an aircraft carrier, right? It takes a long time to turn around, right? But if you have a small ship, then you, go, Woof, you know, you turn around. So I had to realize that because what I said that I was feeling trapped in Switzerland, it wasn't the place itself. It was the culture. Let me tell you that, you know, it's the thing about dreaming because I had so many ambitious dreams. I wanted to fly. I wanted to go around the world. I wanted to draw stories. I wanted to do all the things that in Switzerland is like, yeah, but um, if you want to do that, you know, you have to think about your life as well. And you have to have that money. And blah, blah, blah. it was all about the money all the time. Like, if you have no job, how can you do that? Blah, 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 blah. And for me, and there was this thing about dreaming that it was like, yeah, but your dreams, you're dreaming, you're dreaming, you know? And I'm like, no, you know, when I arrived in Vancouver when I was 21 years old, I remember getting connected to the culture way more than in Switzerland. The Canadian culture was just like, go for it. I remember this word. It was one of the first words I've learned because it was just like, every time I was speaking about my dreams, about what I felt in my heart that I wanted to do, they were just like, even though if they loved me and they knew I would leave somewhere else for living my dream, they told me, go for it. In Switzerland, if I was saying, I'm going there because I need to live my dream, they would say, oh, no, you're going to leave us. You know, it was the thing that I felt trapped. Like, and in Canada, it was just like, I don't know. Do what you want. Do what you dream. If you don't live your dream, yeah, who are you then? And that was a huge swift for me because um, this is who I was. I was this free spirit i needed to be able to to do and leave the people i want when i want knowing that i love them they love me and then i can come back to them you know the things like you have friends that you haven't seen for 10 years like you and i yeah <laughs> many years now <laughs> and then we we just can connect right it's just like like last time we talked together it was in 2001 mm -hmm. i did yeah, and we just talked before, like, we don't even know each other so well. No. <laughs> I don't know it, we know each other anyway, because all that, like, the story that you, 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 you gave me this travel all around the world, and I find myself so much related to what you're talking about, because I am Hungarian living in Sweden, moved oh. to New York, come back, and this connection to, to the northern countries, I cannot tell you, like, how much I feel that and you know I don't know where I'm coming from I know I'm Hungarian and my uh, family almost doesn't exist anymore because everybody died and I wanted to do a research like who am I and I did this DNA DNA test mm -hmm. and it turned around that I'm 47 percent Eastern European 18 percent Scandinavian 18 percent Irish yeah. And my thought was like, shoot, yeah. Vikings, of course. That's why I'm here. Like the mm -hmm. Viking yeah. came down to whatever Eastern Europe. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> okay. And yeah. I have to come back. And I meet a lot of Irish people who I have a very, very strong connection to. 
So you have the Celtic culture as well. One thing about that. And when you talked about the English part, like I talked with Heather, who I interviewed last time, and uh, she's Irish. And we talked about languages. And I said that Hungarian is so deep that is the Hungarian, like that this is so, my soul language, the deep, deep earth down, boom, blood <laughs> screaming, mm. that kind of language. When I come to Swedish, it's more like, okay, so it's a little bit above the earth, but not so much. But when I come to English, that's the language I pray. Like that is a high vibration going high up, getting mm. the information from universe or whatever it is and just ding 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 all the all the way down i feel the same it's so... direct um yeah it's a direct uh, information it goes it goes through yes yeah. and what i i asking all of you why i can come in contact with but what makes what gives you inspiration and hope today well, for me, um, inspiration is something that is very important because it's linking, it's linking many, many things around, you know, hope is, um, is a word that is very interesting, you know, but for me, um, it's like hope, it's because you're in a need of something that has to be changed, you know, it's oh. like you need something to change, right? So it's a bit disturbing uh, about the thing about hoping for me because I don't hope. Mm. I want. <laughs> there you go. Mm. So since I'm a kid, it's always been like that in this body. You know, it's the thing that I have um, a vision, whatever, um, which goes through the imagination, whatever. But I feel it vibrating in, inside my body. And this thing, it's like a confirmation. And it puts an intuition, uh, intention to go somewhere. To I know I have to do that. That's all. There's no questioning. I know I have to do it. It's like an idea that is given to me. And like a light, a torch, you know, that I have to... To bring in somewhere that's all there's no questioning about that so there's no hoping i don't hope i just want mm. to get there so there's something that is always placed into one space um which i can sort of live through you know when i was eight ten years old i was imagining being the age i am now 49 you know i was already doing that right so i could like sort of travel into that space time of my older body <laughs> and whole things will be at that time you know um it's like it's it's one time which is no time i don't know how to explain that it's like it's always been like that right for me so of course i was really attracted to science fiction and again it's part of the 70s and 80s because the tv was on in my family and then all those sort of you know um anime and all things were talking about that right and and for me it made sense because i felt coming from there and not from here <laughs> i don't know what to call from that future and much more than from this time now it it this time feels so slow 
So to answer your question, um, inspiration for me is something that I get through intuition that is sort of like communication, which is an idea of something. I grab this idea because it's given to me and I, I, I lead, I lead the mission <laughs> to make it happen. You know, um, a lot of people ask me, but what are you doing really? Because I'm a designer and I'm an artist. I'm doing film. I'm, I'm sculpting, I'm drawing, I'm painting. I'm, I'm making, um, you know, set designs for the opera, for theaters, for museums. I do all the things and I, but for me, I write, I write poems and for me, it's all connected. It's just all one thing. It's my inspiration. You know, it's what makes me live. It's what makes me being into this body as, as Sebastian, whatever you call it, you know, but this is who I am and I'm just a creator. And what I explain a lot of time now, because I'm, I'm quite tired of always explaining all the things I'm doing and why I'm doing them, because there's no explanation why I'm doing them. I'm just like doing it, you know, but there's one thing that is common. It's that I'm making visible the invisible. You're manifesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, for me, what this language, this human language says is visible, it's the eyes, right? So I see you, right? I see you now here, you know, um, I see you and my brain is seeing you as who you are in this shape with these human eyes, you know? Let me tell you one story. When I was in Vancouver Film School, since I was specializing in uh, animated film, we learned there that, you know, a film, it's 25 frames per second, right? So you have 20, 25 image that makes to believe actually that the image is moving, the moving picture, right? Because the human eyes or the, the human brain cannot see 30 image per second, right? So if you put actually 30 or 60 image per second, then the brain doesn't see them, right? So actually you can put liminal, you know, whatever images you want, and then people will see that with the brain, maybe consciousness brain or whatever, but they won't see it. So then our teacher at that time, I remember he was making this link. He's like, see the, the fly. The fly sees 20, 250 images per second. He told us. He told oh. us. He said, this is why you cannot catch them. Because actually it's like the matrix. At that time it was matrix on cinema in, two, uh, in 1999. I, I don't remember, but it was the matrix. And then there was the thing. It was like, it's like Neo, you know, it's like, the thing, the, the fly, because it sees 250 images per second. Actually, when you try to catch it, it's very slow. It's like, oh, a hand is coming and I'm going there. <laughs> so this is the thing. For me, seeing is only the brain. So what the brain calls invisible, it's what the brain cannot see. Because it says, oh, I cannot see it, so it doesn't exist. This is the things I never understood since I'm a kid because a lot of people would think this is reality, you know, come back to reality. <laughs> Stop mm. dreaming. Stop dreaming, we tell you. And then I was like, but but I my dreams, they are reality. For me, I never could, you know, put that apart. I mean, when I dream, this is reality. And there are many, many different realities. So what can you tell is one reality? 
and for me it's that so inspiration it's what connects all the realities and it gives images into the invisible for the brain that can be sensed by the body from vibra vibration or whatever you talked about the bones before so you know for me when i was looking at the skeleton in, in at school i remember was this huge two bones which is the pelvic and the, um uh, what do you call the, the head yeah. yeah and and i could see that it's like the stomach or the brain they look the same actually you know the intestines and all things. i was like yeah that's really it's like you have a head down there and they have a head up there because you have the bones and the bones it's resonating but this one that is like receiving like a ball and there's another one that's like try to to keep inside you know something and i've always been sort of like um very interested into my mental but very scared about my mental as well <laughs> and I've always been much more um, into the whole vibrating thing as a trusting, inspirational thing. So when I feel, I go for it. Uh, same as when you ask me to make your illustration for your book. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Edith? When I met you in Gothenburg, I remember, I think it was like uh, April or something, like that 2001. Yeah. And I got connected to you right away. You know, it's like your vibration. Um, I knew it. I know you. It's like, there's no questioning. And the way you feel and you, uh, I remember we were, we got connected so fast, you and I, because we we're like, yeah, I feel that. Go for it. Yeah. Choo, choo, choo. You know, and things are going super fast. And I love that. And at the same time, it goes right there at the right time right now, because we feel it and we don't question it. And as soon as the mental get part of it and questions it and say, blah, 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 then you know it's gonna get messy. <laughs> Mess it up, yes, yes. So wow. information is very important to to not get um, disconnected from it. You know, um, I never lost that inspiration since childhood, and. Um, is the intuition, it's the inspiration. You know, you have child and mm. we have three children as well. And you could experiment that, you saw them. Our last child, the other one is eight years old. So I have the chance to see that again, you know, which is this spontaneity of doing things. And actually I want to play that. I want to create that and that's it. Do it, just go for it. Okay, I, uh, I do it, you know. And then you see how the brain is changing everything. It's like if the brain wants to get hold of the inspiration thing, but it can't because the brain cannot get inspired. So it tries to hold it up, to believe. It makes stories. It, it makes this sort of thing that is believing. There's no belief. There's feelings. And this is what is inspiration for me. And there's no hope. It's doing it. It's doing it. Just doing it. You want? Do it. But do it with your heart. Not doing it with survival instincts or uh, intellectual uh, instincts. <laughs> Do it with your heart. It's always right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is like... I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Thank it's you. <laughs> oh, I think... 
that 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 was my that was this this last sentence of what I needed to hear to for me this talk with you is completed it was this last sentence like if you feel it in your heart just mm -hmm. go for it and you know what don't forget this one because it marked me as a dyslexic as well you know when I read heart in English it's he art mm -hmm. he yeah. it's like this thing that is actually your heart is your art and we are all artists as human we are all artists we are you know if you are banker you if you if you if if your art is to feel the numbers whatever this is your art if your art is being a mom, it's your art, you know, whatever is art, art is not just making things from the invisible to the visible. Anyway, it's sensing things. So sensing is doing. So we are all artists. And when we are kids, we are artists. And then we become intellectual, mental, whatever, all those things, some human become like that. And some just, you know, become artists, what we call artists. But I have a problem with this um, language again. We are he art. He art is art. You know, who we are. Doing. Art is doing. Just do what your art tells you to do, which is you. I just shivered. Like you talked and I, <laughs> like my back of my heart center opened up. The she heart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he art and the she heart opened up in the same time. Back and forth. Yeah, I. It's being uh, you know able to vision things as well, huh? because you can see with your body, you can see with your hands, you can see with your feet, you can see with your legs, you can see with your skin. It's not only those eyes, you know. This is what whatever we call invisible. So making the invisible visible tells the brain that there are many different realities. Hmm. It is. Mm. It definitely is. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you that you wanted to talk. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm so I was everywhere. I was just following you and I was traveled all around the world and I went back to my heart and there I am. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. It's been a while, but you know. It was funny when you asked me to do this picture for your book. It just came right, you know. It it was an evidence that I had to do this drawing, and and I always sort of like I feel you, you know, much more than I follow you. I feel you because you always had this energy, and your energy at it is just like, um, it's like a fire, you know, on earth, and it's something that always. Uh, feel vibrating to my art because this the thing that uh, um, yeah you like a wild being you know I always felt that like the forest this is the connection we had together you know like yeah like a fox <laughs> yeah I feel you too yeah. I really feel you too mm -hmm. me too and. Where can we find you if I want to see your art, if I want to see what you are doing? Um, 
Do you have a home page or some that you said that we can find you now in Geneva, isn't it? There you have in Geneva for a month. Um so yeah, if people in Switzerland you know what to say, whatever. But uh yeah, I have a show uh, there, an uh, artistic show. Um Otherwise, I don't have a website yet. You know, I'm I'm creating a lot of things yet. You know, graphically and everything. <laughs> because I'm a graphic designer as well, but it's always uh, hard to do it for yourself. I never had the time to do it. So actually, it will come soon. <laughs> That's something I can tell you, because I have the plan to do it before the end of this year. But I've been very well communicating on Instagram. Yeah, uh, it's been a tool that I'm using. Uh, especially on stories, I like that. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, a post or whatever. I, I, I write my points as well on it. You know, intuitively or inspiringly, whatever. But often, it's a tool that I like. I think Instagram, and uh, I think this is where, if people want to get connected to what I do, it's the best place to, to now, for now, at least, um, see it. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, you know, you Google my name on the internet and you'll find many different links that connect to me for different <laughs> things, right? Because, uh, yeah, I'm, I've been doing different different, uh, different creations all over. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice. I hope that a lot, I can at least just a little bit help people to find you. Yeah, we'll see. You know, everything is connected. Every bit, everything is connected and it's coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Same for you. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm, I'm smelling it. Yeah. So you know, now I see you coming to Switzerland with your family and visit us soon. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I really, I really much hope so. Yeah. So I can show you all those places I told you about. Hmm? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Sebastian, mm -hmm. thank you so much. Thank you, Edith. It was a real pleasure. Really, really, really strong. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Bye. Bye-bye. Jag tror att vi pratade tre timmar. <laughs> Sammanlagt. Och jag tror att det var en av mina vildaste resor i mitt liv. En av dem i alla fall. Jag verkligen hoppas att du gillade den här resan minst lika mycket som jag. Her heart eller he heart eller heart var en av de största sakerna som jag tog med mig. Så so, play people. Ha en fantastisk vecka. Hej då.